Hi everyone, here is Remo, your host of the Leap Takers podcast. It has been a while since I put out the last episode. This is due to the summer break. And I also organized a few more exciting guests that you will hear in the upcoming weeks and months. So I think you can be excited. As always on the Leap Takers podcast, these guests come from various areas. So it could be from crypto, it could be consumer technology, traveling or any other emerging technologies. And as you know, I'm trying to figure out how they started on their journey, their insights and learnings from that time to give you as an audience an insight into their product and also into the person behind the startup, what they're doing in their free time, their favorite books, etc. So um, yeah, be excited. And while I'm at it, if you have any suggestions for cool or interesting guests that you would like to have on the show, just drop me a note. You can find the contact info on my website, leaptakers.com, and just send me a message. This brings me to today's guest, which is Andreas Schwarzinger. So he is the founder and managing partner of Uniboard. This is Switzerland's largest student platform with over 72,000 users. Andreas is one of the most down-to-earth people that I know, to be honest. With his work at Uniboard, he helped thousands of students to successfully pass their degrees. And his motto is really studying together is better. So he really places a lot of emphasis on mutual support and helping out each other to, to get through the studies and through life. In our conversation, we talk a lot about how Andreas and his co-founder Malte turned the Uniboard into Switzerland's biggest student platform, community building, how to approach it, winning customers, how to pitch favorite movies of his, and also weird stuff like smelling car waxes. So um, I think there is something in it for everyone. <laughs> and yeah, before we get started, uh, as always, I also start off with a short quote. This time it goes as follows. Don't ask your customers what they want because they don't know until you show them. I think this is attributed to Steve Jobs and I think it also fits well uh, into this episode. And having said that, without further ado, let's get started with the interview with Andreas Schwarzinger. Hello, Andreas. Welcome to the podcast. Thank Hi. you very much for your time. So, yeah, I think it has been a, a few years since we met last time. So it's good to catch up again. And I think there's a lot that happened in the meantime with the Uniboard. So I think so, yeah. It's going to be very interesting to learn more about your, uh, your story and your progress there. First of all, could you start with providing the listeners with a quick introduction about you, who you are and what you're currently working on with Uniport? Yeah, my name is Andreas. Um, I'm 35, almost 35 years old. Um, and I run together with my colleague, um, one of Switzerland's largest online student platforms called Uniport.ch. I studied at the University of Zurich, um, partly together with you. <laughs> Um, finished my studies in 2013 and since then we are working on uniboard.ch. Uh, we started with a student organization, did all the work uh, part-time next, next to regular jobs and in the summer of 2014 um, we founded Uniboard AG. So since then we are doing it 100% and doing nothing else besides this platform. Very cool. One thing that I always I thought was really interesting about you and the Uniboard is that uh, based on my past interactions with you on the Uniboard and also in person that you always try to 
kind of strengthen the mutual support between students yeah. and that people help each other out. Yeah. Um, so how did this develop and was this a main reason why you started Uniboard yes. to strengthen the community? Yes. Yeah, not exactly. It was based on my own experiences with the platform because we didn't originally found the platform. Um, it was founded in 2002 by three students of the University of Zurich. Um, I became a regular member of the platform, which back then was really just an, an online forum. And I basically survived my first year at the University of Zurich thanks to the platform because I was provided with um, information, old exams um, and stuff like that by other people, which I didn't know, which were anonymous on the platform. And based on this experience, I became more involved in the platform and became a moderator for a certain area of the forum and then became an administrator, the, the classical way you know from an online forum. And in 2010, I think it was, the original three founders weren't at the University of Zurich anymore. And um, they asked me if I want to take over the platform because I became the most active user um, by this time. <laughs> and this always was the main idea of the platform. Um, I took it over and founded a student organization so that it could be held in students' hands forever. And the only reason we founded a company um, five years ago was that we weren't able to find people who were willing to take over the platform and keep it in students' hands and work part-time next to their studies and next to their jobs on it. And back then it became so important and so big um, for, for all the students in Switzerland, basically, that we said we don't want to let it die just because we finished our studies. And so we took the platform over once again from the student organization and um, founded the company that it is today. And so, yes, it, it always was the idea behind the platform that we want to give students a platform on which they can help each other because um, the, the the instrument is there, which is our platform and our job and or this, the student's job is to use it um, in order to help each other, yes. Mm -hmm. When you decided to, or when you were asked initially if you could take over yeah. the lead or take over the, the forum, were you like aware of how much work this is going to be or was this really something... Like, did you think about this a lot or was it more a decision that you made like on the spot? I wasn't aware how much work it would be eventually, um, but that is completely down to myself or to ourselves and to our decisions we took. Because um, taking it over meant that we just kept it alive for what it was back then, which is an online forum for students of economics at the University of Zurich which is like a, a very close community of about 3,000, 4,000 people. Mm -hmm. um, and if we would have kept it that way, it would not have been as much work as uh, when we decided that we want to open the platform for all fields of studies at the University of Zurich. And we especially didn't anticipate that students from the University of St. Gallen and the University of Bern were contacting us, said, we saw what you have in Zurich. We don't have that in, at our university and we want to have that as well. And so we like gradually um, expanded to other universities and then it became a lot of work. 
Okay. So it wasn't the plan. I wasn't aware. And um, maybe if we would have stopped at the University of Zurich, um, it would have been okay, an okay workload. But the expansion to the whole country of Switzerland was quite and is still quite a huge work. Because yeah. um, I think what what most people underestimate is that, yes, Switzerland is quite a small country. Uh, we don't have that many universities, but every university is completely different from each other completely different you have other structures you have other student organizations which are there or aren't there um, you have other another context you have other rules um, for example if you want to make um, promotion there or can't do it there so that is until today our biggest challenge and what makes it for me uh, personally very very interesting still yeah, I mean, I'm sure like this growth, yeah, it came in with, with a lot of additional work. And then was this already happening before you turn it into a no. company or that was afterwards? Um, well, let me put it this way. It was happening um, when we were a student organization, but not not on the level it is now. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because now as a company, we are more or less... Um, we have to expand to other universities because now, of course, we have to earn money mm -hmm. and we earn money with um, mainly with employers who want to be present at um, the universities. And of course, they have demands at which universities they want to be present, which are the universities where it is difficult for them and for us to be present. So, of course, now we have to expand, um, whereas before it was more like there is a chance, maybe we do it, maybe we don't do it. Um, and we always based the decision back then on on the fact if we had a person at a specific university who wanted to help us there. Okay. The reason I'm asking is, if we go back a bit, uh, when you were making the decision to do this full-time yeah. after your studies, I'm, I mean, I think you had also other opportunities like you, I think as far as I know you did some work at the BCG the Boston Consulting Group uh, I'm sure you had a lot of other <laughs> career opportunities what was your inner dialogue or what was your reasoning for starting the uni board or continuing the uni board yeah. and developing it instead of going a more traditional route uh, in the corporate world it wasn't an inner dialogue. It wasn't a dialogue with my parents mainly because, yes, you're right. I had the opportunity to start at BCG. I had the opportunity to start at BMW in Munich. And I mean, until today, I think those two are very, very attractive options. And my parents definitely thought I would go that way and wanted maybe wanted me to go that way um, because it was more like a, a safe choice in the end. Um, the main thing that drove me to go the way with Uniboard is I think we had a lot of fun doing it and I thought it would, um, it would always stay that way, that this is the more fun kind of work. I also thought the impact we can have with Uniboard is far bigger than it would ever be in a specific project at, uh, at, at management consulting or maybe creating a new car which is coming out but I think the the impact we have on the lives of students and maybe the landscape of universities in Switzerland that's what mainly drove me 
mm-hmm. because I thought the the impact would be much much larger there. Yeah, and I think you definitely did. Like looking at how Uniboard grew, I guess I helped. It helped a lot of students. Uh, at least it did for me to get through the studies <laughs> and uh, and that a lot until of... today is the that makes the most fun if someone mm. who 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 used Uniboard. And we meet uh, a few, um, after a few years. Tells me that um, Unibot helped him a lot. That that is the most fun for us. <laughs> those those kind of feedbacks. That's what we live for, mm-hmm. because we don't get them much. Um, <laughs> but if we get them, that that's what we live for. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think it it's definitely great that you know, like uh, you and uh, Malta, you um, you you started this or you continued this and um, do this kind of for the student community in Switzerland. Let's say you think about back when you had to do this decision, if you want to go the corporate route or the startup route, so to say, were there any, uh, you know, resources or books or something that helped you to make a decision? Or was it really in the end you talked with your parents and then you uh, you made a decision on your own? The, the main decision wasn't going corporate or going startup. The main decision was let Uniboard die or continue with it okay. that was the main decision okay. because if we would not have done it um then it probably would be dead by now mm-hmm. and that was the main decision and that was the main driver of um, this decision for Martin me wow. not because we in the end we both didn't want to build a startup we we pretty much really liked um liked corporate worlds and we liked both the experiences we had there and we liked the security you have there um so yeah as i said the main driver was do we let uniboard die and um in in a sense um let it die and then students can't benefit from it in the future and that was for us, it was, we always had the feeling that if we would have let it die, then um, we would have kind of betrayed the trust of students. Mm-hmm. And that, I think that was the main driver of it. Okay. Yeah, I think, uh, so it's almost like you, you felt like an obligation to... Pretty much, yeah. yes. Yes, yes. Because we, like, we did it as a student organization for four years. Mm-hmm. And um, it became so big and so important for students like yourself um, because all the information, all the files, all the summaries, all the old exams which are on there, they are not on any other platform. So, as I said, if it, if it would have died, I think that a lot of students would have felt betrayed or maybe it was just us feeling that way. Um, but yes, I think it almost was kind of an obligation to do that. Yeah. To shift gears a little bit, I think a big aspect of the work that you did was community building and making more students join the, the yep. platform and also to interact on yep. the forums. Yep. How did you approach this? I think this is a very, I think, interesting les- lesson that uh, yep. maybe others can draw from yep. from Uniport's case. I would I would separate community building from the other thing you said, which for me is marketing. Mm-hmm. And community building, you have, I mean, you have to know, I was the most active user on the platform for 
I think almost 10 years. Wow. And so I, I, I started at a very early stage of the platform and development. And um, I always was kind of the, the driver of the community. I uploaded a lot of files. I um, answered a lot of questions. And in fact, Malte, the second person, which is um, part of our team now, um, we, we got to know each other through the forum because he... Um, he saw a question another student asks in his assessment year. I gave a pretty comprehensive answer to that. And he back then wondered why is someone investing so much time in providing an answer? And uh, through this action, he, he understood what Uniboard is and what Uniboard is about. And that was his first um, time when we like sort of met each other mm-hmm. uh, through the online platform. And... I personally think that you can't build a community if you are not a hundred percent behind it and you don't you don't use it yourself. If you're just trying to build a community which you don't use yourself or like build it for yourself in a, in a certain way, then you will probably never be that successful because you you never you will never really understand what um, your community wants or needs. And because I was a student myself, I was um, pretty heavily invested in the whole th- in the whole thing and the whole platform. And I think that as a lesson as a lesson for for other startup guys who, who want to build a community is um, be part of it mm-hmm. and and dive into it as deep as you can um, because then you can you can really bring it forward. Mm-hmm. And the other thing, um, bringing new users to the platform, that is classic marketing and for us it was um it was quite a frustrating lesson in terms of we tried a lot we tried to create positive messages we tried to create a vision by using the picture of penguins um, who help each other on on their ice shawls and stuff like that but at the end what drives growth for us is just the files old exams summaries and stuff like that and when we started to realize that and uh, motivated students to upload their files so the others could then download it, that was um, the thing that really, really drove growth. So um, my lesson to, to, to other guys who want to build a community, find the one thing that everybody wants um, and then pretty, pretty heavily focus on that. Mm-hmm. Because there always is one thing that everybody wants. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember, yeah, the, yeah. the summaries uh, yeah. for the exams, they were yeah. definitely what everyone was, yeah. was after yeah, yeah. and interested in. And it's okay. I mean, if, if we are at the end of the day, the, the platform that provides those files, it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay. And then I think you also, you started expanding the forums for companies to yeah. present themselves. Yeah. And yeah. when did that point come where you had to start thinking about monetization of the platform? And was this obvious from the beginning how you could do it? Um, again, I, I don't think we are a traditional startup because there, there was this existing platform. Um, I became an active user. I could take it over and then we were a student organization. We started monetizing it um, when we were a student organization, but back then mainly because we had a team of about 10 people and we wanted to provide them with pizza if we had meetings. That was the only reason we, we needed money um, <laughs> in order to, to motivate the others to, to help us build the platform. Um, so it was quite a, 
I would say, a, a gradual development that we realized we, we needed money. Um, until today, if we didn't really have to earn money with the platform, we wouldn't do it. Our biggest dream is that we can only focus on providing students with the best possible learning environment or platform where they can help each other. Mm. If if we would find another way of earning money, we would stop um, um, collaborating with um, employers and other companies right away. Mm -hmm. And so it was just the most logical and pretty much also easiest way to earn money because you have a student platform um, in a country in which it is um, rather difficult for companies and employers to get to students at certain universities. And so it was a logical step for us to work with them. Yeah. Um, so it it wasn't quite, it wasn't a hard step or it wasn't hard thinking in order to, to establish how we want to earn money. Um, but the building relationships with the companies and going from we just need a bit of money to um, to buy pizza to go to we need a lot of money in order to run a company that was the big step and that was definitely the hardest step maybe just also for to give the listeners uh, an idea how many users does uniboard have right now uh, Seventy-two thousand registered ones about oh. half of that is active um, yeah That's it. In a, in a company in which we have about 240,000 um, students in total. Okay. And do, when you started with, with Uniport, you, yeah. you mentioned it was only for the yeah. economics yeah. department. Yeah. When, we when we founded the student organization, it was 10,000 users. Okay. And um, to, to give um, your listeners a bit of context... Every single student on our platform is a verified student. So we use the same login mechanism that the universities themselves use. So we are the only platform which goes through the hassle of um, really verifying our users. Because if we would just open the platform for everybody, we would definitely have more users by now. Mm -hmm. We would probably be by any uh, number the, the biggest platform now. Um, but because we go through the hassle and um, every student has to ver be verified, which also means every student has only one account, our growth is like naturally limited. And if you think back now, I'm sure like every other startup founder, you face some challenges in that whole process. Is there a certain example that comes to mind spontaneously? Yeah. yeah. As I said, we were a student organization for four years. And when we sort of turned to the decision that we want to make a company out of it, um, we felt the obligation to communicate that to students, to our users, to the universities and to student organizations. And despite the fact that the platform didn't change, that it didn't cost students any cent to be on it, um, student organizations, just because we communicated we want to be a company, suddenly thought we are evil, we are bad, we want to earn money. And um, I think thinking back to that time, we would we would communicate a bit differently in terms of we wouldn't say we are a startup now because that's what we did. And because of the whole startup world and what goes with it, I think that we gave the wrong impressions. We would, from today's um, point of view, we would probably say we are, we want to be a KMU, um, a small company, um, because then we almost automatically 
give the picture that we want to build something sustainable and something lasting Mm -hmm. and not to make a lot of money in a short amount of time and then selling it. Mm -hmm. I think that was a a really, really hard lesson because we worked with those students organizations for four years um, on a very close basis. They all um, knew us personally, um, but just because we used the word startup, we were suddenly evil. And that was a really, really hard learning for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, w- I would say as a learning, always think what you want to communicate very, very carefully and um, always think of all the possible implications it can have. Thanks for sharing. Another question regarding some startup challenges. Are there any startup challenges that you think founders typically face what did you face with Uniport and how you overcame these challenges yeah um, when we started we we weren't quite sure if we go the, down the traditional startup route which is doing business plans finding investors and uh, going to startup meetings to accelerate the programs and so on or if we just if we should just stick with what we already had and try to generate sales, try to um, grow our community and so on. And we tried to do it both ways. And that was definitely a mistake. And I would say if, if you are facing that decision, ma- make a decision. Don't try to do both because it will take a lot of time. And um, both definitely, both ways definitely need your full focus. Mm-hmm. Um, and one one of the biggest startup challenges I think a lot of founders have to face is the whole startup world, the whole startup meetings and the accelerated programs and meeting potential investors and doing doing a program there and so on. And my advice for a lot of founders would be focus on your product, focus on your sales and try to do it yourself. Because what we experienced is if you go to like a, a startup meeting with other founders, it often goes down the route where you sit on a table with other founders and all you do is um, tell each other how frustrated you are about things. And then you start thinking about um, potential synergies and how you could help each other. But those stuff, those solutions really only, they benefit nobody Mm -hmm. because it is all based on frustration. And um, therefore, I mean, if, if you have the slightest chance that you can do it yourself, I would say my tip is try to go down that route because the the whole startup world is... um, incredibly time consuming if you're doing it the right way um, which can work which is I think especially works for big ideas I guess um, which which need a lot of investment before you can start um, but you have if you have smaller scale ideas which you can be and will be able to start yourself then I wouldn't go down that route mm-hmm. and that is I think one startup challenge and the other ones, of course, there's always the, if you found a company, there's always the kind of fear that um, the money will run out and you can't pay yourself salaries and then you will have to leave your your flat you're living in. Um, but I think if, if you're, if you're, if you do the, the minimum amount of 
work you have to do and you do actually work and you you're not enjoying yourself too much and you're not enjoying the, the startup world too much, um, then there will always be a way to, to overcome that fear and to, to earn money to go to the next step then. Yeah, but yeah. I think the, the, the almost the kind of trap from the startup world where it is too time consuming and you can't really work on what you actually would have to do. Um, that is, I think, the, the biggest startup challenge a lot of guys have to face, mm -hmm. especially when they're starting. Okay. Yeah, I, I mean, I think also from my experience as a previous founder, it's very important that you focus on what matters. And I think what matters in the beginning is how to make money and or how do you ensure that you work on the thing that creates the most value for your company in the yep. long run and i think it's easy to get caught up in the what seems to be important yep. but it's maybe yep. just a vanity metric yep. or it's something that exactly you think you're busy and you're working on something but actually does it really exactly. bring you forward because so, of course it's nice to give a presentation for students about what you did and what you did achieve and didn't achieve and mm. lessons learned and fuck up nights and whatever there is but it's all extremely time consuming and you always have to think couldn't i do couldn't i get another customer in the same time i'm mm. doing this yeah to get to the next question do you have any sales advice for fellow entrepreneurs out there how to gain your first paying clients since i know you you had to go out there and to really i guess pitch to to companies to become a client of uniport yeah again to give give context we are a B2B company, I would say. We have the community for, for students, which um, students don't pay anything for it. And then we have companies who want to advertise um, their products, their services, and as I said, mainly their em employer brands um, to students. So we are a B2B company. And the, the advice I would give, if you are based in Switzerland then and you're a B2B company, trust is everything. And um, do everything it takes to build trust. And for me personally, um, and if I would be in a position now um, where some company would like to sell me something, I want to know that uh, the guy who wants to sell me something really, really knows his business and the market he's in. Because that's something pretty much every one of our client um, says they they think it's great about us because we really know what we are doing. We really know the market we're in. Uh, we know every university. We know the context of every university. We know the student organizations. Uh, we know what you can or can't do at the different universities. And this brings us into a situation in which we not only can sell something to the companies um, which they pay for, which are like employer profiles, um, job ads and stuff but we can also provide them with um, with insights with tips on how they can do stuff that goes beyond our platform and i think the the most important sales advice i can give therefore is um, really really be an expert in in what you do in the environment you're acting um, because that will always reflect to the customer and it will help build trust with your customers yeah I think valuable advice there for sure that trust is very important. Yeah, definitely. Because I, I mean, I can say it now we have 
customers which are partners for, um, with us now, but it took us three to four years until we got them. And a lot of talks, a lot of emails, a lot of meetings. And um, I don't know if it's a Switzerland specific thing. Um, and I don't know if it's a employer branding recruiting specific thing, um, but trust is so incredibly important. And it, yeah, that pretty much is the second tip. It will almost always take more time than you think it does. Fully agree with yeah. that one from own yeah. experience as well, yes. Yeah. Um, calculate in maybe double of what you think yes. initially. It yes, take. And, and maybe to add, um, numbers aren't always as important as you think. Because when we started, we had the feeling that based on numbers, we have the best offer for our customers or potential customers. And what we had to learn the hard way is that it it also plays a role how your offers look, for example. Because really that turning point um, in terms of sales for us was when we introduced new, better looking employer profiles than we had before. When the, the numbers of our platform didn't change, and we had pretty much the, the, the same good offer, but it just was better looking. Mm -hmm. And um, I think it, it does have to do with trust in a kind of way, but um, just as a lesson for, for all the other guys out there, um, numbers or objective stuff maybe isn't always as important as you think. Yeah, I mean, visuals in that sense or how something appears is yes. also important. Yes, yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, it is. Yeah, yeah. knowing that as a, as a consultant and now also working as an investor, I can confirm that. I think it's, it might not be the most obvious thing, but people look at it and it matters, especially how a company as a client then will be presented yeah. on a yeah. platform. Yeah, it's because at, at the end, even someone who runs a, a budget of be it a hundred thousand Swiss francs, a million Swiss francs, even those are just human beings. And mm. even those um, maybe sometimes base their decisions on um, subjective matters. Yeah. Where do you see, you know, the, the future of, of Uniboard heading? Our target still is to become Switzerland's biggest, most active, but also most useful and most sensible platform. Um, if we look at some of the competitors, there still are or there were. Um, a lot of them were focusing on, we always say, party lifestyle dating, that part of the student lifestyle. And I think that is something we never want to go down that route. Um, we want to stay focused on the, the studies and provide helpful stuff for students and become the biggest platform in, um, in that respect. And everything we do... Um, pretty much focuses on that vision to become um, the biggest platform. I think we are not far from it, mm -hmm. depending on which numbers you look at. Um, but I think we will probably need about one to two more years until we reach that point. Mm -hmm. And if, if I look into the future, I would love to do it um, in 10 years time as well. But I think at some point there, there will be a time... Um, in which me and Malte are just too old to still engage with students. And we we hopefully will be in a position where we can hire um, younger guys, um, ideally students who can then still keep Uniboard in the talking amongst students. Okay. 
yeah i wish you good luck with that already and yeah i mean i guess if there's someone in the audience you you know how to to find uh andreas i'll i'll definitely link link you as well in the show notes thanks um but yeah so in the podcast i always try to capture more the the startup the business side of things but then also get to know the person behind the guest a bit more so um i would like to switch to the 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 more personal questions maybe we could start with now it gets dangerous (laughs) no no no, don't worry (laughs) um so i think we also when we talked earlier um today uh you you like to read a lot um and i'm also very interested to to learn about favorite books or um movies or podcasts of of my guests so do you have any favorite book that comes to mind not a certain book because i think i had favorite books when i was younger um that was mainly fictional stuff but um fiction is fine as well if something <laughs> comes to mind um not not as i said not a book but um i'm, I'm quite a big movie goer or movie watcher and the one thing that really really fascinated me in the last couple of years was uh, the marvel cinematic universe and what they built and uh, when i saw endgame a few weeks ago i was so um touched by what they achieved and how they all brought it together at the end um that that really was inspirational for me because i i left the movie thinking what the hell can i do with my life and uh with unibolt.ca which is even remotely close to what marvel achieved with their movies because they built a universe for for 10 years um, I think more than 20 movies and they all brought it together at the end so beautifully that um, that was really something that resonated with me mm-hmm. in the, in the, in the, in the yeah, youngest few. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they did a great job with that. I actually, I haven't seen the, the Endgame movie yet, but... Uh, You're missing out. I, I, <laughs> You're missing out on something. I, I'll <laughs> definitely make sure to watch it after this conversation. Um, so... Yeah, but they are on the way to become the most viewed movie in the theaters or something like that. Yeah, but like I think that. they miss they will just miss it out by a little bit by a Avatar, little bit, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which has something to do with uh, 3D sales. Mm-hmm. Okay. From from what I know. Okay. Since you're in in that area, do you also have any hobby or uh, unusual habit that you or any you know like not so common thing that you like to do in your free time also to get your mind <laughs> off your daily uniboard yeah, yeah, yeah. A, f- a few things um we talked about it earlier um when we founded our company and when i knew that i would have enough time um i got myself a dog a german shepherd uh which was a dream for me um for a lot of years so this, of course, takes a lot of time because you, with German Shepherds, you do have to spend time with them because if they get bored, they become quite um, irritating and get a lot of bad ideas. And so um, I also engage um, for the Swiss club of German Shepherds in which I run the, how can I say, the, the schooling part in which we... Um, provide schooling for dog trainers basically and um, that was uh, that is something I do next to my job um, 
as I said, a lot. Of, I watch a lot of movies. Um, I'm quite a big car guy. Of course, as I said, I, I had the chance to start at BMW. So I never lost that part, really. I got into car care for um, in the last two years, I think. And now my pretty much my biggest hobby is now car waxes, um, which will be another web project I start soon, um, which will be a homepage with videos, with a YouTube channel um, about car waxes and that whole world. So you see, I... Uh, I, I don't think I will get bored soon. <laughs> yeah, I definitely see that. So, yeah, if I guess if you're into car waxes, you know how to turn to now. Um, yes, you to, will. You will be. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> if it's already live, when do you plan to go live with that? Uh, next couple of weeks. Actually, okay. it will be called waxfinder.com and um, have a look at it. Okay. It will be. It will be quite fun. Yeah, it's definitely. Uh, you know, it's a niche thing, I guess. But if you find people who are really into that, it's it's. Always I would good I would to... give you some waxes to smell because that for me is the, the most fascinating <laughs> part of it. But your your listeners won't it's... be able to see yeah. how how you smell those um, the... things. So. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Um, another question I like to ask the the guests of this show is how their personal advisory board would look like. So. Imagine you could have anyone, dead or alive, uh, person that you look up to that think could be a great advisor to you or that you would like to have an advisor. Um, who would that be? I mean, it can be like just three or four people that come to mind that you would like to have as your personal advisor. That will take time to think about. No it's worries. A good, it's a good question. Take your time. It's a good question. Um, one, but that's a fictional character, but I think that counts as well. Yes, my my sure. favorite movie of all times is Top Gun. And if you know Top Gun, um, you will know that there is a an instructor in the flying school that uh, Tom Cruise goes to, which is called Viper. And uh, in, in the movie, I always thought he was a great instructor because not only he taught the students how to fly, um, but he also gave... Um, great personal advice without saying much that was the fascinating part in the movie mm -hmm. so um, i would say viper is uh, one person i would like to have in my personal advisory board um i think will smith would be a really interesting person because he he is he does so many things and stuff. He does movies, he does music, he does producing, and it would be enormously valuable for me to learn from him how to balance all the things. It really is a good question. If nothing else comes to you mind, have, it's, it's, to it's think, fine. We can think a lot of uh, Kevin Feige. He is pretty much the brain behind the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And I mean, a man who is able to project happenings 10 years into the future and as i said bring all those movies so beautifully together i think that is a man um from who everybody can learn a lot mm -hmm. so i think those those three viper kevin Feige, will smith that would be <laughs> that would be a pretty amazing advisory board yeah, yeah sounds like but more true. more from from a side where i think you can benefit personally from them mm -hmm. um because Maybe it sounds arrogant, but Malte and me don't think that there are a lot of people who could help us on the business side by now because we have such a 
deep insight into the things we do um, and the if you can say so the industry we are in that um, I think we would more look for for advisors who we can benefit from from a personal side mm -hmm. okay and since we're talking about giving advice do you have any advice to either your younger self or to let's say a student <laughs> in his early 20s um, during studies does there anything come to mind can be about in regard to something specific it can be career advice career, or startup career advice? advice life advice if there's something you know like that you would say okay i want to share this one thing to my younger self i would say don't focus so much on um, competition because that is something i still to do today um, too much probably which leads to a situation in which we know a lot about the industry we're in but it also takes a lot of time and nerves and efforts um, away from you so that is something i would say to my younger self and to younger generations of students i would say this is a very personal opinion from me but i would say be humble because i have the feeling not only from students but from younger generations um, in general that being humble is something that got lost along the way at a certain point because nowadays everyone thinks he's a superstar everyone thinks he deserves a job at the best company for the best salary and um, I think being humble is 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 a characteristic of a person that is um, valued by a lot of people because it's not that common anymore mm -hmm. and so I think that's kind of an unusual probably advice but um, something I think will be more important in the future again and Maybe, maybe maybe I can elaborate it because um, let me put it this way. I think we need more Batmans and not more Iron Man. <laughs> you see, you see I'm, I'm with yeah. the movies again because Iron Man is, is the one who goes out, who knows he's the greatest, um, who told the people who he is really, um, who, who is a superstar, who wants to be a superstar. And I think a lot of young people want to be Iron Man today but what we really need is Batman a hero that doesn't want the public to know what he does um, but he does it because he's convinced that he's doing the right thing and I think that's that's what I mean by being humble be be more like Batman and not like Iron Man mm -hmm. <laughs> what a great way of <laughs> putting it um, yeah let's maybe are there any learnings or unjustified fears as well that you would mention that you learned during your time as a uh, when you run the when you ran the uni board so far that come to mind unjustified fears or like things that maybe when you were starting doing it full-time that you were worried about but they didn't they turned out to not be that bad actually or it was something that maybe you overestimated or underestimated. Yeah, I think the fear of burning out. Because the beautiful thing about having a startup and being your own boss is you decide what you do, when you do it, how long you do it, how hard you do it. And I, I personally think because you don't do things for another person as you would do it in a company, 
um, because you're doing it for yourself in a startup. I think the, the fear of having a burnout or working too much is pretty much unjustified. Because at the end, as I said, you, you decide what you do, when you do it. Maybe it's a different story if you have um, investors, which is something we, we never really had. And then you have another kind of pressure. But still then, I think um, the fear of burnout is something I would say is pretty much unjustified from my point of view. I think we are already coming up to my last question, which I ask every one of my guests. And this one is what does courage mean to you since the podcast is called the leap takers podcast so what does courage mean to you courage for me means doing a thing that you are a hundred percent convinced is the right thing even if one person two persons your parents your friends or everybody around you tells you is the wrong thing that i think is um is courage because then you go the way you think is the right one um, even if everybody around tells you you're wrong and that could lead to fears and if you then go ahead despite those fears that for me is courage great thank you very much Andreas for taking your time and sharing all your insights and stories today um, I really appreciate it and also good luck to the, the future of the Uniboard and thanks. that it may help as many students out there as it can. And thanks again as well for helping out myself when I was a student. Um, and also I know a lot of uh, friends and colleagues from my study times that definitely profit a lot from the platform. So if you don't know or are not on the Uniboard yet as a student uh, in Switzerland I You're recommend you to check it out for <laughs> sure and sign up so <laughs> and there will be something new about in, in next year's time so at the latest point then you have to be on it okay <laughs> <laughs> so stay tuned great um, thanks for listening and remember be more like Batman and <laughs> not Iron Man exactly, exactly. Okay, bye-bye. Bye. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. As always, I have to ask you for a quick favor. If you can just head over right now to the Apple podcast or to the iTunes store and give the Leap Takers podcast a five-star rating, that would be amazing. Thank you so much. This really helps me to get more good guests on this show and also that the podcast appears higher in the rankings so more people can see it. Thank you very much. Having said that, if you have any feedback or requests, really please just drop me a message. I'm happy to hear from you. That would be great. And if you like, you can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram. You should be able to find me on the Remo keyboards. That's K-Y-B-U-R-Z. Thanks again for listening. And I hope you tune in for the next episode as well. Until then, enjoy your life and stay humble as Andreas put it. So long. Bye-bye.